Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Hey, Porch Community, and welcome to episode 48 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor at the Porch Community Church, here with my good friend, our media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hello, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's like I know it's coming, but I still am like, oh, is he going to say it? Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Why would I change now? I don't know. Hey, we're not alone today. We're not. No. Our student and worship pastor, Justin Crenshaw, is here. Hey, Justin. Hi. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. And our kids pastor and our administrator, Kristen Bembry, is here. Hello. So we're all here together. It's the four of us. This is the first time four we've Four best at- friends that... No, 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 I don't know this song. That's not how it goes. Anyway. This is like the first time all four of us have like done something together. Ever. In any Ever. capacity. Well, it's pretty, well, to it's pretty scary, We never talk actually. to each other. We never, nope, never well, see each other. Well, we've never it's actually... Scary. Been, it's scary. We've, no, all four haven't been on stage and spoke at the same time or... It's not allowed. It's illegal. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. this is, so this is a kind of a cool thing. It, it is. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll let the listener decide. Yeah, <laughs> they might not want involved in this. So, who here is still smelling um, uh, whipped cream? All right, we got some hands. I'm raising my hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm raising my yeah. hand. It's, a, it's not a TV. It's, good for, it's, it's not a good for radio. I'm also hearing <laughs> whipped cream. A, if that's possible, I got a face for radio. Um, so yeah, so we got pied last night. A lot. Yeah. A lot. A lot. Yeah. I took a shower like right as soon as Thank I got you. home. Uh huh. But then when when I got out of the shower, I could still smell it because mm-hmm. I couldn't get all the way up in my nose. <laughs> yeah. like, I yeah. couldn't get it all out. Oh, I didn't know man. you could get whipped cream on your contacts, but it doesn't come yeah. off very yeah. easily. I had some blurry, I, blurry vision. And I didn't think whipped cream would eventually burn your eyes, but it does. Mm. So were the goggles on my part a good call? They or were what? a good call. I couldn't I th- see I think anything. They were. I think they were, yeah. The, you had the goggles, and then what I did was I covered my ears with the shower cap. That would have been smarter for me. I, that would have been really wise. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I am. So we did the pie pastor because porch fest. Yeah, yeah. And the our folks people got to pay some dollar bills, mm-hmm. and um, and we were gonna raise money for Living Bridges, our community ministry partner. So it was a great night. It was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a really good time. Really Enjoyed good time. It. Yeah. So um, the reason I asked uh, Justin and Kristen to join. Uh, not only this episode, episode 48, but also episode 49, is because um, we are, um, we each individually were listening to the Mars Hill, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. So this particular podcast has been, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about this over lunch at staff meetings. Um, it's kind of driven a lot of things, uh, made us do some introspection, I think, uh, made us look at at um, ourselves personally and, and as a church and as a church staff for sure. And so I just thought it'd be really cool for us to talk about this together because I know a lot of our listeners, Porch Community, have also listened to the podcast, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. So I thought it would be really cool to do that. So um, if you don't know, uh, Mars Hill is, uh, was a church in Seattle, Washington, um, and it was founded by Pastor Mark Driscoll. Uh, back in 1996, actually, and I don't want to take any of Josh's thunder because Josh is a self-described former fanboy of all things Mark Driscoll. And uh, but <laughs> if you if you don't know Marcel and Mark Driscoll, I, I encourage you to check it out and listen because honestly, some of the things we're going to talk about in this episode and next episode, you might not believe unless you do a little background because otherwise you're going to be like they're making that up. They're just being weirdos. Um, I do think some of our conversation might be sensitive. To, to kiddos today, um, some adult-themed uh, things so that might come up. Um, I don't know. It depends on – I don't know what all you guys are going to share. We haven't shared our personal notes, so I don't know if we're going to mention certain things that kind of threw us for a loop or made us go, hmm, I wonder. Um, so, Josh, fanboy, former fanboy, I don't know how you want to be identified. Okay, so let, let's – How do you identify? As Joshua Harrell. Okay. But let, let's put my fanboy in perspective. Okay, so it was 08 to like 012. This was kind of like the... 012. Yeah. I mean, technically... It's a Joshism true. right there. <laughs> it's a new one. So um, it was kind of like the digital like mm-hmm. force. Like, there wasn't a lot of pastors out on the web that were worth their salt. Like, 
the ones that that were on the cutting edge of technology at the time were like ones that we don't really want to like. <laughs> I don't want to listen to Joel Osteen. What? Yep. Nope. But but like he he is like on the cutting edge of a lot of this stuff. Like he was one of the first ones on YouTube and stuff like that. And then also the ones that great were, hair. Really and cool. then like the Billy Graham stuff was mm-hmm. also there. Nothing wrong with Billy Graham or Let's, anything that he could does. Can we not put Billy and Joel in the same? Well, I am for for the aspect. Or Mark Driscoll. <laughs> I am for the aspect of what they were doing um, no, I, in the digital space. Yeah, they were they were doing, but Billy Graham was too much like I grew up with the three piece suit and stuff like that. So I was really turned off by him. Mm-hmm. And then I knew Joel Osteen not scripturally sound. Mm-hmm. So scripture, yeah, what? Yeah. So I knew I didn't want to listen to either of those guys and then i came across mark driscoll mm-hmm. who wasn't wearing a three-piece suit mm-hmm. wasn't afraid to say he was what wearing was a puka on. shell necklace yeah mm-hmm. what, what didn't have a filter on his mouth you know he said what he wanted to say he like he uh tossed words that i really like to hear like calvinism mm-hmm. you know um for breakfast lunch and dinner and would talk about how you know we we're terrible human beings, but Jesus is the, is what will um, make us better, and we can change the world for Jesus. So like he was very like, we suck, men suck. Let's let's change the culture that we're in. And I, at the time, mm-hmm. I was very like students, and, and because I was a high school student at the time, students and men have been given basically this pass to be mediocre. Mm by society Mm. like you can be a kid up until you're done with college Mm -hmm. right and men you don't whatever you can go play video games just go go do your job bring home a check play video games kind of check out as a husband and father but he wasn't doing that he was like basically Mm -hmm. saying why would you want to do that this is like the greatest thing that we were called to do is be husband father protector and sons of christ Mm -hmm. so that's what really attracted me to him and the fact that he was like really cool yeah you know so some of the things we're going to discuss today were probably that we're going going to bring up were not things you were like yeah that that's my guy it was what you just said yeah one of the things you mentioned i thought was interesting was that at 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 its height they were uh and this was like you said kind of the early days cutting edge of technology yeah they were having three hundred thousand sermon podcast downloads a week yeah and and that's ridiculous and honestly outside of the churches that were, were the, like the mega churches at the mm-hmm. time were like the pastors wore the three piece suits, you know, like mm-hmm. established decade pastors. Mm-hmm. He was the first of, right. of the basically Reformation counterculture of Christianity mega pastors. Right. But he just, but the difference was he came out of nowhere. Like exactly. he didn't like, serve somewhere else. Or uh, whatever, so. Like, cause David Platt and Francis Chan were around and then like Mark Driscoll's like driving a freight train down and like, <laughs> and it, it, it's, uh, it's funny that I said freight train because what he says later. Oh, but yeah. um, like basically blowing up stereotypes of what pastors and what Christianity could be at the time. Like it was very like, this is really cool. I yeah. want to be a part of this. This isn't what I grew up grew up with. Yeah, like that's why I really like. That's why I became a fanboy of Mark Driscoll because I was kind of pushing away from yeah the stuff that For I sure. grew and up I with. Think- I think a lot of dudes, a lot, yeah. of, and not just guys. Let's make mm-hmm. that clear. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. um, were kind of drawn to that. Well, so here's the question that I, I kind of threw out some a couple of questions just to get everyone thinking and and helping to move our conversation along. Was did you know of Driscoll before the the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast? Um, and if you did, what was your impression before and after listening? And if you didn't, what was your impression? So, Kristen, I'm going to throw it to you first because. Uh, yeah, so did you know? I did not know. I'd heard Josh talk about him once or twice, nothing. Mm-hmm. But every time I heard the name Driscoll, I just thought strawberries and kind of moved on with my life. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's a, the strawberry brand. And what? That I buy for my children all the time. In the, Is it okay? At Publix, yeah. All right. Um, you know. Shout out for Publix. Shout out for Publix. Former Publix employee. Yep. Good job. Mm-hmm. Do you have shares in the company? I do not have any shares in the mm. company. There's two on staff, and I do have shares. <laughs> nope. So didn't really know much about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing about them. So what was your impression? After listening, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know that we have enough time. Like, I was like, he... Yeah, you have to take your son to a dentist appointment. I, yeah, I do have so. to take him um, shortly. But I don't... I was like, this guy's got some issues. Like, he, I mean, 
for real needs to go talk to somebody and work through some stuff. I kept saying to myself, who hurt Mark Driscoll? Oh. As I was listening to this, like, what is his past history that set him up to mm. act this way? That is a really, yeah, that could be the name of the episode, even though I already kind of was like, let's call it the cult of personality. Because I think better. that's part of it, too. Yeah. And it's a good song. If you want to sing it for us. Uh, Justin, so did know of him, not what impression before, after all that? Yeah, I knew of Mark. Um, you know, you and I um, saw him speak and preach at a Catalyst that. Conference yeah. about 10, maybe what, eight, nine years ago, something yeah, like that. I forgot about and, that. And, uh, you know, my impressions of, of Mark um, at first were positive. You know, he, <laughs> he, he obviously has a, as is very gifted. Yep. Um, very sure. gifted communicator, very smart, um, and, and you know I, I saw nothing alarming in his in his preaching and his teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, apart from some of the super, super ultra ultra uh, conservative stuff, but um, I, I I liked him. I liked Mark, um, and you know I, I've heard information. I've gotten some information that have been that's mm. been talked about in the podcast trickle down over the years. I just right. I kind of try I don't not keep my finger on the pulse of, of things, but right. you just hear things. You hear people yeah. talk and if you're like you're in the church biz. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, a weird. But you're gonna right. hear it. You're you hear other hear pastors it. Yeah. and other leaders talk yeah. about it as as warning signs. But and I've heard of this kind of some of this stuff getting out mm -hmm. about Mars Hill in the last few years. But the podcast really just. Uh, opened my eyes even more, but uh, you know, my impression now is much like Kristen. Um, you know, um, you know, we're, obviously we're going to get into more detail, but he he definitely um, need, needs uh, some help, mm. um, some people <laughs> to love on him and to mm -hmm. mentor him, mm -hmm. and uh, that's part of the issue, I think. You yeah, know, big yeah. picture. So, uh, yeah. I um my impression, I I heard of him. I knew I. I actually read a book um, that he did. We'll talk about that in a little, bit, in a little while called Real Marriage. But um, my impression overall is I think that, that this is a cautionary tale for lack of accountability and, like I said, the cult of personality. Mm -hmm. um, his personality drove that train, and, um, and there were just so many missing pieces along there. Um, I would say my impression before and most certainly after listening to the Rise and Fall of Mar Mars Hill podcast, I think it could be summed up where in episode five of that podcast, they talk about the things we do to women. Mm. I mean, I have to say, and I know Justin's going to be like, okay, I'm on just let Shannon and Kristen talk for a minute. But I really felt like from a female perspective, a lot of the things he said were so harmful Mm -hmm. um, to women, but also I think to men, especially young men, young adult men, which, I mean, he said he's there in Seattle and he's, they're surrounded by millions of, as he said, um, horny young adults. And so he wanted to speak to them and he knew that talking about sex was going to get them. Um, and that was like a driving force. And, and he attached it to scripture and he taught, and I mean, there's this there's a strange tension going back and forth. Um, you'll hear from really well, well, well known and respected biblical teachers and pastors who were like, "But he was preaching the gospel." I mean, yeah, he said this, but he was preaching the gospel. Or you know, he, he I know he kind of he shouldn't have said that, that, and that. But but his scripture was on, you know, and it was just like I don't know. And so there's just this this whole thing. His teaching, like I said, the book he wrote, Real Marriage. Um, he did a series on the Song of Solomon. I have that book. Um, I, I read it. I had it. I, I read half of it. Um, I think I got it back in like 2012, 2013. Um, and I'll tell you as I read it, because I'd heard of him, um, but I hadn't, I did, I hadn't listened to any of his teaching and stuff, except I re forgot that we were a psalmic catalyst. Um, but I think that's a little bit different because they kind of focus kind of businessy or leadership, not so much. Um, but my three thoughts were, and they were similar to yours, Kristen, was um, this guy has some serious issues with sex. That was the first one of my thoughts I had in regard to the book that he wrote. But it pops up quite a bit. Um, and then my next thought was his poor wife. Like, I'm sure there's a story there. Like, there's got to be some kind of background there. Um, and actually, I was reading something the other day, which I found out, but I'll hold on to that. And then my third question was, 
who is this guy associated with? Like, who's who's holding him accountable? Is he in a denomination? Who in his church, like, association? That Those are my, like, he's got an issue with sex, and um, who's holding him accountable no for one. the things that he's writing no and one. saying? Um, and so it's from those those thoughts, I did a little research, a.k.a. Google, um, and he said, like, sex was a hook. He admits that. He talked about that. He used... Um, the sex message to, to, as he said, get the gospel out. Um, but I, I, he's definitely misogynistic. I mean, there's just no way around that. And I know that that's kind of a, you know, that's a word. It's been a word. It's a word that comes and goes and rises up, but I, I don't know another way to say it. Um, I don't know if you, if you men agree with that or not, but uh, totally, yeah. Okay. Yes, See, definitely I, agree. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and, and honestly, I would say borderline, if not outright, abusive in his wording. So I remember distinctly back then, as I was reading this book, thinking, um, all right, who, who's who's watching over this guy? And, and the, I couldn't find every group that I could find he was associated with, everyone, he was either a co-founder or he was listed as a director or like the senior. So, like, there was nothing that he was under. Um, there was nothing that was, like, you know, he had been, you know, discipling with, you know, like he was meeting one-on-one with John Piper for five years or MacArthur right. or any of these people that he would have been in that, that Calvinistic camp that you well, mentioned. Even well, even when you go back and, and you can listen to it in his early messages, um, he talks about how Mars, he was never actually a part of a ch- uh, once he became saved, he was actually never a part of mm-hmm. a real church. Yeah, he grew up Catholic, actually. Yeah. He grew up Catholic. Yeah. And then when he became saved, he started a church immediately. Well, I was going to mention that, Shannon. As you're mm-hmm. talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, obviously all of us in this room mm-hmm. and, and most pastors mm-hmm. um, would go through some sort. We're all We've all been discipled by somebody. In our formative years, you know, um, that's super important. Mm-hmm. It's biblical. It, it is. And, and I, I think about, you know, adults who come to faith mm-hmm. in Christ as adults, and they're just kind of drinking out of a fire hose, so to speak. <laughs> yep. And they do, there's some things, that, you know, there's some gaps in their formation mm-hmm. because, you know, they became, you know, adults, and then they they come came to Christ, and then maybe they're thrust into a leadership position, mm-hmm. and this guy thrust himself, apparently, into mm-hmm. a leadership. I mean, he has the personality to right, do it. Right, right, and I get that, but... And that, wicked I think, smart. Yeah. I, to me, therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue I saw is that he, it just went from, you know, non-believer to believer mm-hmm. to pastor mm-hmm. to mega church pastor mm-hmm. almost overnight, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, yeah. you know, the gifting and the, the maturity didn't line up. Yeah, the, he had the IQ for sure, but his his EQ, his emotional um, ability, and 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 spiritual, I would say, even in in, in wisdom and and those kinds of things. Um, you know, so there's knowledge, but but it's got to be measured with grace and wisdom. I think. Um, talking about th- this, this got me. Like, you know, speaking of just kind of the the very misogynistic, I don't know, message. In 2006, I don't know if you guys remember the Ted Haggard issue he's mm-hmm. a Colorado pastor yeah. so in 2006 Driscoll <laughs> he blamed disgraced megachurch pastor Ted Haggard's wife for the affair that Ted had with a male escort because in Driscoll's terms Haggard's wife had let herself go and so that was the reason that Haggard had the affair and and then from that, you find there's he Driscoll has been quoted, and repeatedly of teaching that women who fail to please their husbands by providing regular oral sex and maintaining their attractiveness bear some responsibility for their husband's infidelity. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. We went there. I, I know. <laughs> I, I didn't. I mean, I gave the you warning. Did. I mean, you did. You did. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and there's a whole there's an entire episode of this podcast based around uh, like how much sex he includes in his messages. Yeah. 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 There are some other quotes too from him out there about Yeah. That just get wild. Yeah. 
Um, so, so I'm going to be the only one that makes the comment and everyone else is going to go, that was just crazy and wild. And I have to, I'm the one that names it. Okay, great. So, um, <laughs> Justin's <laughs> nodding at me like, I'm not going to be quoted. It's not going to be, yeah. I'm not going to get that sound bite. Nope. <laughs> um, so here's, who supports this Neanderthalic kind of drivel? That's, that's my thought was, um, and this is where I, I kept going back to accountability. Like what's going on? Because he, he has people who support him, like well-known people. John Piper, who has spoken well of Driscoll so much, has seems to be the, one of the closest things to a mentor he had, but, but there's no official, like, you know, he wasn't sitting under his teaching or all that kind of stuff. And I got to tell you, like, this explains to me why no one was pumping the brakes on Driscoll much, much earlier in his ministry years. Okay, because why is he able to get up and teach on Song of Solomon and say these things and repeat these things and put women in this lower caste place in his teachings um, and I think confuse people? Why isn't anyone calling him out? Why isn't anyone speaking out on this? Because he has like the fastest growing church in mm-hmm. the United States mm-hmm. in the most unpopulated part of like not unpopular, un- unchurched yes. part of the country. So he is basically destroying every trend mm-hmm. that any other denomination would say what he's doing is basically impossible. So you're like, don't poke the bear. Yeah, I mean, that was like, anytime someone said, well, what's going on? It's like, well, you know, but he's he's reaching a lot of people. A lot of people are coming to know Jesus, so. And you like, people like to be seen and heard. And like the shock jock. They like to be... With the famous in crowd, they want to be there. But I think, too, success is what gives people in their minds license to be able to say what they want. Yes. And it, success or being seen as a success will, you know, in cover a multitude of sins, so to speak. Like, the, you know, if you're successful and your church is growing, mm-hmm. then you can kind of justify That's exactly. saying things from the from the platform, and it's super dangerous. Mm-hmm. We we all we all know, it's, you know. Uh, yeah. We have to be very careful in how word things are worded, mm-hmm. and you can't just go off the cuff, and you can't shoot right. from the hip, and you you know get in trouble that way. Yeah, and and I think and, and that is you said super dangerous, um, and I want I think one of the reasons. So I think it's double. I think his his impact that he was having, like the numbers, like oh, yeah. all the metrics, yep. were so off the charts that people were like, I don't something's going on here. Like this has to be God because it's just so big. And so it's just so huge. But also I think there was a sense of agreement with some of the things he was saying. They just weren't willing to say it themselves. And so they were kind of like, well, I'm glad he's doing it. You know, I'm glad he's taking the shots Mm -hmm. that we're not Mm going to take. For example, with Piper, um, he, on his, he has a, uh, at one point, and I'm talking about John Piper because they're all kind of in the, they'd be in the same sphere. Um, and and this would have been, people were asking John, like, and Justin mentioned it, um, like people were asking people like John Piper and John MacArthur and others, like, what are you guys saying to this guy? What do you, what are your, what's your opinion on this guy? You know, they were asking these people and they were like, well, the metrics are really good. So they weren't speaking out on, John Piper has a program called, Des- or a, website desiring god it's his ministry page and they have a program called ask pastor john and it's a call-in show or like a type in show you know like type in your question he'll answer it and um he was asked this question what does a wife's submission to her husband look like if he is an abuser okay so that's the question that was asked and so he reads that question back and he chuckles and i don't think it was really like a ha 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 i think it was just kind of a oh here we go moment and he said, like, depend, it depends on whether her life is in danger or if it's just verbal abuse. Um, th- that wasn't clear, so he was making that distinction. And then he said, like, for instance, if the husband wants to engage in group sex or something bizarre like that, she should say no because Jesus wouldn't approve. So I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I think we're mm-hmm. all in agreement with that. Yeah. But then he goes on to say, and I want to play a short audio clip of this because I'm kind of kind of floored, all right? So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my my best here to play this. This is John Piper on um, Ask Pastor John. This is what he says about 
What does a woman do to submit to her husband if she's being abused? He says. Well, that's one kind of situation. Just just a word on the, on the other kind. If, if it's not requiring her to sin, but simply hurting her, then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season, and she endures perhaps being smacked one night, and then she seeks help from the church. I mean, every time I... Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and so, why are people not calling out Driscoll? Because I, I think there's an underlying thing there that was, again, I think he was saying things that other people were, in effect, going, oh, well, they've got to really hold up. And I know I'm, I'm a woman, and I know this. I mean, I know I'm a woman. But, like, I know that what I'm <laughs> saying is some people are gonna be like, oh, you're just saying that. But, like, I think the whole, he was, Piper was holding up the whole uh, wife submit, wipes the whole premise of that the complementary and submission thing, and he wasn't going to let that go, and so he was actually going to almost lean to the side of enduring abuse. Um, and it just it baffles me because you can't tell a woman <laughs> to endure abuse for a time and then go to the leaders of a church because from Piper's perspective, that's all male leadership. And so you're saying endure abuse from a man, and then if, but if it gets real bad, then go to the men, and it's the men of the church who are saying to endure the abuse. Do you see the? Mm-hmm. I know I I could go off on a thing there. Yep. yep. I, I I hear that, and it's sort of shocking to hear Oof. that. But I also, just for the listeners, we're we're not equating John Piper to Mark Driscoll. No. Uh, I wouldn't put John Piper in the same category no. as Mark Driscoll not at all. in any in any way, shape. Mark uh, John, you know. Piper's a, a, a trusted trusted voice, and yet um, still human and still flawed. And um, man, that, that shocks me to hear that. But uh, goodness well, gracious, yeah. I mean, I I think it. Yeah, I mean, again, I think like any human being, you can at times have really good teaching, but then you could have a, a you know either an off the cuff poor statement or um, a. Uh, just a wrong understanding, you know, and I think, I think that area kind of goes into that, but, um, so this is why I bring, that's why I bring all this up, because comments like that from Piper and, and others, um, I think explain how Driscoll was lauded almost for some of his teachings that were really dangerous and harmful and hurtful, um, and it kind of set up this abusive, mm-hmm. authoritarian, patriarchal church culture and it took root and it played a role in causing a lot of harm um, in staff and people and the people were ministered to and, and all that. So, oh, wow. So what's the craziest thing you guys heard in the Mars Hill podcast? Uh, for me, the crazy, like this, this wasn't really anything that Mark did or said. The craziest thing for me was some of the um, examples mm-hmm. that... Um, the podcast podcaster was using Mm -hmm. i remember listening to when it came out yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that was probably the biggest like uh it's it's in the um it's in the opening thing and it's mark talking about um men beating up on women and he basically says who the hell do you think you are exactly right yeah and i remember listening to that and going that's right you tell them Mm -hmm. like guys should never hit on a woman like Mm -hmm. like i remember Remember, like, maybe clapping or something in my truck? Because, <laughs> because like, he was just calling out men for being jerks. Like, mm-hmm. because because they can't. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's the that was the biggest, like... And then you listen to... And base, I'm almost listening to this stuff, like, almost 10 years later, and you go, oh. Well, but I think, I like, think that's true, though, because I don't think I've heard Mark at any point say... Knock a woman around. I mean, I've no. I, I've heard the opposite. Him yeah, say, yeah. "I'm going to knock you around if you knock a woman around." Yeah. That, so, like, generally his abuse, uh, his abusive language is towards men. Yeah, I think it's really towards himself. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, like he's towards dad or somebody. Yeah, like he, like he'll straight up yell and like degrade yeah. men from the pulpit. Like yes. that that is one of his. Like that's one of his sticks. It's kind of like the coach, the football coach mentality, where With, yeah, like exactly. he would talk to the like if a. If a coach, 
if some coaches talk to women's sports teams the way they talk to men's sports teams, like all, we would all just cry and be like, I hate you, and I'm going home. And the dudes are like, all right, then you think I can't do it? I'm going to show you. What do you think, Crenshaw? Um, I wouldn't – I don't know. We've, we've kind of mentioned some of the most shocking things mm-hmm. from the podcast. But I, I'm. this may not be the most shocking thing I heard, but mm-hmm. I was really burdened and hurt and disturbed about how he treated his staff. Yes. How he treated people in his church that brought concerns mm-hmm. to him. They were out. They were basically excommunicated and kicked mm-hmm. out immediately. Mm-hmm. No follow-up. And it's happening mm-hmm. again in Arizona. But just how he would literally go into a staff meeting, start cussing people out. Mm-hmm. Now that, and it, it, you know, and obviously his attitude, uh, and how how men in this church have operated, and he's kind of uh, basically in, in a way helped condone abusive behavior. Yeah, um, he's saying don't abuse them, and yet. Don't abuse women, but I'm going to knock the crap out I'm of you. I'm going to abuse you, and therefore you learn what you see. Oh, my Oof. pastor's this way. I'm going to be this way, too. And this, this is, that again, this Leadership. Shannon, this goes to, to what the kind of leaders we are. What we, you know, we are to live above reproach. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are, we're not allowed to do and to say some of the things that normal, quote, normal people say. We cannot because people are going to follow our lead, and we're going to develop. What that culture is going to pervade, whatever we set standard wise, is going to be what yes. your church becomes, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. better for worse. And that's to me the biggest cautionary tale. Yeah. To, to walk into a staff meeting and just start, you know, this is your effing problem. You better effing fix it, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Come on, like, what yeah. person, you yeah. know, who's called to ministry <laughs> and what? I mean, yeah. I, I'm just I, it blows my mind. I can't. I couldn't. Can't imagine that leadership yeah. anywhere. I mean, you just don't do that. Yeah, but especially, but especially leadership, the church. Yeah. Yeah. But even just from like a like take church out out of it, like leaders just don't should well, good leaders don't do that. Yeah. I don't know. It happens in the business world. Drill, drill sergeants, but yeah. but yeah. For me though, like he preaches not he's not going to beat up on women, but he has this attitude, and he said it. There's a quote of him speaking that women, if you're going to be on his leadership team, if you're going to be on his staff, that you a have to be a man. And B, your wife cannot have a job outside of the house. He continually promotes this attitude of women cannot do anything to help support their family outside the home. I mean, like, even really it came across as inside the home. If they're not staying home barefoot making babies, then that's yeah, really... Yeah, he talked a lot about making babies. A really, like, you can't... You're, you're not effective as a father, and you're not effective as a leader. And I've heard... I mean, I heard quote after quote where he was like, you need to get your wife under control. Yes. And he might promote that he's not physically abusing women, which I'm totally for, but that's very much an attitude of emotionally and verbally abusing a woman, which is just as detrimental to them. And it's not like, and when you continually promote that inside your leadership circle where you come in as a leader and you speak to these people in an abusive way, mm-hmm. you're going to breed abusers. And then you tell them to go and, and control And tell them their to wives. go and control their wives. You are breeding a cycle of abuse that isn't going to be broken with your leadership. I also add to that, Kristen, we're talking about, you know, it's like Mark, what Mark would do is he would take a, like say the complimentarian mm-hmm. uh, point of view. Well, you know, on lots ster- of people. On steroids. On, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots, of people, lots of trusted people hold that view that we may disagree with or agree with, but, but he would take it to the extreme exactly. and go to an unbiblical place, exactly. an unhealthy mm-hmm. place, yep. yeah. an abusive place. I'm glad you made that distinction because I don't want to throw like, yeah. If you say you're complimentary, then you're yeah, exactly I have like that Driscoll, in my notes too. and right. then you're horrible. Right. It's so. very much a yeah. like a spectrum. It's not a y- yes. you're this Super or much. you're this, and you yeah. can't mm-hmm. absolutely. Flow. Anything else y'all thought was just like you, when you heard it, you were like, I cannot believe this. Uh, the the because this was such a weird time in the digital age, they had like chat boards for the church mm-hmm. message boards. Oh, here we go. Mm. This is in my notes. You know him him being like this. Uh, I can't remember his username. William, William Wallace the second. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Braveheart. That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know what's that, coming. Yep. If that doesn't give you like in like a thought process of where his where he thinks he is, that's exactly it. You know, but the fact that he would basically go and under the pseudonym cuss pe- church oh members out. Up one side and down the other. And yeah. the thing, I mean, it was bad. I'm not going to say what he called no. a bunch of the men and the, in and Seattle. The pod- and what mm. the pod like the podcaster. <laughs> showed some of it and he's like some of it i just won't yeah. say yeah you can find it online yep yep but that that was like 
Like that one's like, oh. That was mine. Um, hit that online anonymous persona. Mm-hmm. So Mars Hill, again, this is back in the early 2000s. Yep. They had their own message board, mm-hmm. which was like, I mean, that would be like our Instagram, you know, today, you know, or something like they had, and they had so many people that this was like an ongoing thing. And so he created this anonymous persona, William Wallace II, and he did, he used seriously foul language. He talked about people and really tried to get them riled up. This is, I went down a rabbit hole on this, you guys. And one psychology writer said that they, they talked about this whole thing of like the Christian dark web, which I thought was interesting. Um, but they said it was like, a, they really think because of his ability, Driscoll's like intelligence and stuff, that he, this was almost a scheme on his part um, where he plotted to have this online persona anonymous for a period of time to get people engaged, to get them talking, waiting to see what William Wallace II was going to say again for a period of time, and then he let it be known that it was himself um, to garner that wave that was going to follow after. That's what one person wrote. Driscoll's never admitted to that or said that was his intention. Um, but this is this was the... That was kind of the early days in the beginning of... And I love these two terms that I found that a couple of people used... Um, they talk about his, they call it his testosterone gospel. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. And they, in this term, that, that a play on the word masculinity, they call it marculinity. Um, that that's really was his kind of preaching was all about marculinity, um, which I found to be very, very interesting. So, okay, before we just can just kind of just go negative, and I don't want to be negative, but it's, I think it's a cautionary tale, like we said. But are there any positives? And I know we've kind of touched on maybe a few, but what are some positives you see in Mark Driscoll or, okay, so remember the whole thing about the trials that he put a couple of his staff on, like mm-hmm. they put them on a trial. Mm-hmm. Um, could you defend, could you offer a defense for Mark Driscoll if you had to defend him in a church trial? So, all right, any positives? Let's do that one first. Well, I think for me, the positives are he was leading a church that was bringing people to Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. we cannot deny that the people who found Jesus, mm-hmm. their relationships were real, that those like that God met them mm-hmm. using a very, very broken person and that yep. they came to a relationship with Christ. That and that can't work be of the Holy Spirit discounted. Right. I mean, yep. and that's work of, like you said, the Holy Spirit, not of but Mark. You, but through him. Yeah. Right. So for that, I cannot discount that work there, but I think that so much of if I had to guess, so much of those relationships with Christ came through the people who were around them, the community that yep. they were in, and not so much what Mark said or didn't say. Um, if I had to defend Mark, I, I would absolutely not. I, I cannot find... I mean, when you asked that question, I said, no. <laughs> I cannot defend anything that he did. Mm, mm. Um, it's hard to defend um, Mark, Um just just knowing what we know now. Mm-hmm. But, like Kristen said, you know, the, the Bible is full of reluct, reluctant mm-hmm. vessels, um, broken, broken vessels that our God still uses. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt. I mean, th- you know, you can't discount the people that came to Christ and lives that were changed and, and brokenness that was healed even through someone like Mark Driscoll, it just shows you that God can and will use anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, in Portal, we're going through Jonah right mm-hmm. now. And it's the one prophet that said no to God every single step of the way. He <laughs> never, ever said yes. He begged yeah. for his life in the belly of a fish and, and the <laughs> fish bit him up. But he, he went against God the entire time, and God saved an entire city. He did it. It's just to show that God did it, not the man. So it's, you know... Apart from that, you know, God, mm-hmm. God used him even though his methods were, were awful, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I keep, I, I think of Peter a lot. I think of, of the disciple Peter when I think about some of the things that Driscoll says, but the, the few accounts we have, and they're just a couple of Peter just kind of going off and doing his thing was, but he, he was called back. Like he, he was, um, you know, he was called out for it, you know, like when he, when he would do something or say something, um, you know, when he took out a sword and cut off the guy's ear, you know, when he like very outspoken stuff, like he would be called out for it and he would get back in line. And that's the difference I Mm -hmm. see in Driscoll. Like, I I think the positives I see is 
you know, he's uh, he's super intelligent, and he's got a he's really he's got a very quick wit, and I think that makes him very personable. Um, and he's got a knowledge of scripture. Um, and I mean, a lot of that I think you know goes to you know his intelligence and his ability to take in information and retain it and learn it and apply it. Um, but yeah, I couldn't. I the only defense I would I could have for him is the same defense that I would give for. I say anybody. Um, I think I mean it when I say that. Is that he is a human being in need of the grace of God, and and Jesus Christ has made that possible for him. And that's that's my only defense. Well said. That's yeah. the only defense I can mm-hmm. give, and it's true of anybody. So, have you offered yours, Josh? No. Um, one one thing I would say is that he, he not only is he super intelligent, but he did have the foresight of going how. Mm-hmm how he can utilize technology and where culture is going for the cause of Christ. For sure. You know, and that, and that is pro with, we could, we could probably say where church is today because of some things that Mar- Mars Hill has done, like, because they started it. Like, uh, they were one of the first ones to start doing their sermons on podcasts, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, Mars Hill was the only church asked to start doing video podcast when Apple came out with a yeah app, that was interesting with the video mm-hmm. iPod, so be, they were very revolutionary in their technology, mm-hmm. and and because of how they formed it, and the way so many ministries have been able to take basically the groundwork that they laid and shared Christ in so many different ways and languages and everything like that, um, that is probably the biggest defense is that I have is the way that they shaped. Uh, the way the Christian message is shared in mm-hmm. uh, the late 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's good. Um, so, okay. And I wonder if any of our listeners have thought of this. And I don't know if you guys have heard the term, but I, I, if you haven't, you understand the gist of it. Um, this idea of bride bashing or, or trashing the church. Um, some say, and there have been some, who say that podcasts like the rise and fall of Mars Hill, or even our conversation today, um, it is, could be a form of bride bashing, like just tearing down the church. Um, what's your thought in that regard? Kristen? Um, I'm not speaking ill of the church, you know, as a whole, because it's not just, um, you know, the church is so much more than just Mars Hill. But I, I am calling out what I see as negative behavior of a person mark is someone who i after listening to all of this i see him seeking power like a drug he cannot give up his fix he needs to continue and it just gets bigger and bigger and more abusive and more hurtful every time that he continues to take the hit of the dopamine that comes from the power that he sees from leading this church um and you said it with peter like peter was called back in line when mark was called out for his bad behavior he never from what i don't want to say never because i i'm obviously not friends with mark but i don't see where he ever sought repentance for what Mm -hmm. he did or what he said or how he hurt people even if i mean i think if any one of us even realized that we hurt someone whether it was our intent or not we would apologize we would try to mend that relationship just because that's what christ has called us to do Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he doesn't, and and that's, I mean, I believe that Mark has narcissistic personality disorder, and that is like trait numero uno of someone with it. They don't have the problem, it's everybody else, and he's not going to seek repentance for things that he didn't do that were wrong. Well, and Justin pointed out, like, when some staff came to him and said, you're wrong on this, they were done. They They were were out. They were fired. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, other, like, uh, not even staff, but like his um, board or, uh, you know, that they, he was like, you're done, you're gone, you're out. So. I would, I definitely would not call podcasts like Rise and Fall, Mars Hill, bride bashing. I, 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 I think we need, we need things that will edify the church, yes. and make the church better and stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need warning signs for this not to happen again. And things like that, all all pastors, the four of us in this room, this ought to give us all pause. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if if uh, it, this could be, 
maybe to probably probably not to this extreme, but it, to a lesser degree, we all could get start mm-hmm. drinking our own Kool Aid, mm-hmm. so to speak. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it, it happens in leadership. Mm-hmm. It, does. it does. I think as leaders, we all have a drive to be successful and to leave those behind who aren't maybe keeping up with us. And, and then I, you have a platform, and then like you, a right? And you have a platform, and you know he says, "Get on the bus, or I'm going to run you over." And I mean, that's just not what I want as mm-hmm. a leader for me or as anyone who I'm underneath. And I tell you, I hear that and I'm like, wow, if I, have I ever communicated that? I mean, without saying that necessarily, but have I ever communicated that to people? And I was like, oh crap. Like, mm-hmm. have I been like, you're getting on. And and there's something about, and I, this is that, I almost feel like I'm in the camp now of the people that are like, but you know, this could, this could bring good results. So maybe it's okay to work that way, but it's not because it, it's going to do damage to people. Like if you're just like, it's my way, the, you know, the only way. And, and that's what he does over and over again. So, yeah. I, I had one thing to add, Shannon. Um, I, I, I've read some things on Mark and kind of where he gets his style of just kind of in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it, uh, is he's it from mentioned, WWE. Is well, it? no, <laughs> well, not, well, n- <laughs> pe- pe- you know, people like, like Paul, and James, who were I mean, s- super in your face about things, mm-hmm. and you, we take he took that to the extreme. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, get out, kind of thing. And you you could almost interpret sometimes, you know, James especially, yeah, Paul, and go and you know, th- you know, and, and these Paul, are people that died for their faith, right, so, right. Yeah. But Paul mentions you know, kicking people out, yeah. of the church yeah. when they, you know, and that kind of thing. I can see Mark taking that mm-hmm. literally. And going, I'm going to apply that. Well, Paul did it. It's good enough for Paul. It's good enough for me. I'm going to, you know, we're going to be rough and tumble. If you don't toe the line, you're out. I mean, you and know, there's a, that's thing. a whole other conversation of church Sorry discipline. Sorry to go no, down no, no, the no, rabbit no, hole, but I, oh, I, that's, I, that was my observation yeah. as I listened to the podcast. No, I love that because I think church discipline is something that is not talked about, and we shy away from it, and it's not something that anyone ever wants to address, like, you know, like going toward to someone or then bringing others along and like how like we all want to play nice and all that. But I think he applied that teaching of Paul's just in order to support, to protect himself, yes. not for the sake of yes. the church, mm-hmm. yep. for Martill or the capital C church. Um, I think you see that. And I got to say, as a new believer, when I started reading scripture, I was like, this Paul guy is a jerk. That's really what I thought. And I was like, what's going on? And um, because he did, he was just so like, this is how it is. And I thought, my goodness gracious. Um, but, yeah, so I, I get that. I mean, I, I could see that personality trait. So what say you, Joshua? Is this, um, are we bride bashing? Are we tearing down the church well, by pointing this stuff out? Well, you've kn- of course you've heard me make Joel Osteen jokes. So <laughs> How dare you? You know, the so, kingdom of like God I have no is... problem bashing Joel Osteen and guys like <laughs> Benny Hens and Stuff, people like that. So, yeah, light, I think about the lightsaber, lightsaber video of Benny. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, so <laughs> t- to me, it's more about you know, people take these guys and they go, This is what's wrong with Christianity. And I think it's our job, I think, to say that no, Christianity isn't all like this. This is a human being, yeah, that has taken biblical stances on things that we don't that the church doesn't actually agree with, that mm-hmm. Christianity doesn't support. And I think I yeah. think it's our responsibility to, to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that it needs to be that... I don't think we're bashing the church. Mm-hmm. I, I think it needs to be addressed, um, just as any other abusive-type issues. Um, you know, Kristen pointed out the narcissistic personality disorder. I think I think there's a, there's a... There's a narcissism there, and there's there there's a hyper focus on on sex and how that uh, affects uh, men and marriages and um, just I think there's issues there. I, I mean, there's there's some crippling insecurity and paranoia that I think on on his regard, you know, and and just some of these things we talked about and just the lack of accountability. I think these things need to be addressed and brought up because it is a red flag for leadership in the church. Like Driscoll reminds me of an abuser who kind of says sorry, but then gaslights 
and abuses again and says, kind of says sorry, but then gaslights some more and just kind of repeats this over and over again. It just develops this pattern. That's just kind of what I see. And so I think it needs to be addressed because that's someone you, you go, hey, you need to get help. Like you have gifts, you have intelligence, you have the ability to communicate. Like you have some gifts that God could use in such a huge way, long term. Mm-hmm. And if you would just, if you would work on these things. And so I think there's a lot of introspection and spiritual development um, that I think would be really, really helpful uh, for him. Um, I think that, and honestly, I mean, and I would say almost to some degree, um, like some of the things that Driscoll has said and, and, and others is that I, I think they almost literally are promoting bride bashing in some ways, like, like the abuse that they could have been um, contributing to in marriages and between husbands and wives and how men respond to women. I think was actually like a, a, a issue that needs to be addressed. So. Oh, and and he would totally like bash denominations and and other churches from the pulpit himself. Really? Yeah. yeah, like that. That was that. Like he he would bride bash the church all day. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the denoms. Yeah. yeah. And when I'm 19 and I'm thinking denominations like, are what yeah. what's wrong with the church. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that that was that was like well this just lines up with everything else I think. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then you go back and you go, nope. Denominations are kind of what keeps people from like you existing. Let me ask you this, Josh. So, um, are you thirty? You turn. I'll be thirty in like three weeks. Okay, so so thirty year old man mm-hmm. married. Yep. Two kids. Mm-hmm. If two you were, daughters. Yeah, two daughters. Mm, good point. If you were to listen to Driscoll right now, like to the messages that you heard when you were nineteen, mm-hmm. would you receive it the same way? I mean, no. maybe that's too difficult to ask. I don't know if it, you can. It, it, I mean, there's no way I could because of so much has happened in my life. There's mm-hmm. no way I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, w- I was also in a state of I didn't want I didn't want a Christianity that looked like what I grew Every, up with. Yeah, right. And so he was just so anti everything I had been raised that I was I I mean I drank that Kool Aid. Yeah. Like he didn't even have to offer it. I took the cup from him. Yeah. Kind of thing. Well, and I think um, you know his the. Kind of his target audience was nineteen year old. Yeah, yeah, for sure, nineteen year old dudes. But when you look at his church and he had staff, and I mean they grew and they had campuses and all this. Mm -hmm. I mean he had other people. He had people older than him. He had peers, and they were right along as well. I'm listening to another podcast I just started listening to called um, "Older Pastor, Younger Pastor," and I can't remember the names, but it's guys that were former. They were formerly on staff with him at Mars Hill, and now they have their own churches. And the repeated conversation they have um, is about uh, repentance and owning their part that they had to play while they were at Mars Hill um, and their call to Mark. And it's not just about Mark. This was a, they addressed it, like they never said his name, though. They only say Mars Hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They will never say his name. I'm sure there's some sort of cease and desist. I don't know what's yeah, going they, they, they on. Yeah. There's a have... lot of NDAs and stuff, yeah. like yeah. non disclosure agreements and all this. Um, but it's really interesting because what you hear from them is what you would hope would is where Mark would get is like a repentance. Uh, one guy's talking about how he just is that COVID kind of got involved too, but like it took that long for him to start to go and visit people and ask for forgiveness um, from them. So, I mean, that's years. Mm-hmm. I mean, so um, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, so, as ministry leaders, I think we've already kind of touched on this, but I want to make a point of it. After listening to this podcast, the rise and fall of Mars Hill and having these conversations, um, does does listening to this lead you to go, is there something, is there anything in my life, are there things personally um, in in how I how I work, how I am in my, my home as a parent, whatever, um, that's made you stop and go, hmm. How can it not? <laughs> you know, yeah. that that's what I would say. How can mm-hmm. it not? How can it not? give you pause and go, is there anything in me that could lead to not a Mark Driscoll, Mars Hill situation that's mm-hmm. extreme, but don't, you know, don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. Right. Don't mm-hmm. make your ministry about you. Oh, don't put you at the centerpiece of your ministry area and um, things, things will go well with you. You know, mm-hmm. put yourself, submit to people mm-hmm. and, you know, have, have some people in authority in the church 
mm-hmm. not just not it's easy for me to say I can call up you know right. Dr. Bob Moon who mm-hmm. we all love and but right. someone that I can do life with on the daily that I can yep. submit to and mm-hmm. not say I'm the authority I'm the no oh. I submit to no one because my church is the fastest growing church in America mm-hmm. you know he mentions this how why would I submit to John Piper my church <laughs> is bigger than his I know when I heard that I, I was couldn't like, believe what? he said that yeah at and a they, conference. At a conference. So I think the only one he could submit to would be like the Pope, but yeah. he wasn't Catholic anymore because right. the, the Pope and, had the larger right. church. He, so, had, he has a whole message on uh, the Pope. That's an extreme <laughs> oh, view. Oh, yes. That's Wearing a, a dress. It's yeah. very extreme, but yes. I, to me, it's like it gives me pause to make sure that I'm not the centerpiece of my ministry. If, if, mm. if you pulled me out of my ministry, would my ministry go on? You know, if you pulled us out, mm-hmm. would, would it go on? Could, yeah. could it go on? Could, mm-hmm. Are there people mm-hmm. in leadership that could step up and mm-hmm. do what we do? You know, and maybe not to the same, not at the it same. It would be different, but it would be would, different. But right. that, you're always looking for, you know, as, as Craig Rochelle would say, you're always looking for your replacement. Mm-hmm. You know, in a, in a sense, you're looking for people who can do what you do and train them up to yeah. do it. So, yeah. Anyone um, else? Um, for me, one of the things is is what. What, what we're putting out, does it model what's happening inside? Am I am I having to spin mm. to tell a good to tell our story? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, but it does it does make that go. Am I, am is it story I'm telling the one that just it, Justin or Shannon or Kristen is putting it out? Like, mm-hmm. or am I trying to doctor what they're saying to make it fit what I'm building? Mm-hmm. as as our production output. Yeah. And that's probably because to me what they put out and then what um was happening behind the scenes is very two different things. Oh wow. Yeah. So to me that was like the biggest red flag is to me because um am I giving a fair representation of the Porch Community Church mm. or am I skewing it to make us look better? Internal external. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one thing you heard from staff uh, several times was he was preaching this from the pulpit he was preaching, you know, reconciliation and repentance. And what was the big thing was owning your sin, naming it, owning it. And, and he was like, but it was not happening. That Repeatedly from staff were saying it was not happening within their staff meetings and their conversations as staff. So there was an internal, mm-hmm. external exactly. contradiction. Yeah. Well, when you don't see yourself sin, uh, you, you don't have to repent for anything. Yeah. So mm, mm. Yeah. What, what about you, Kristen? You know, for me, it's the whole, like Justin said, the whole accountability thing where, you know, I need someone who is in my corner for me, but is also going to call me out when my behavior sometimes will get out of a line with what I teach, with what I believe, like the, as far as what the gospel mm-hmm. says. I need someone there to show me, you know, hey, you're kind of drifting or you like, are you sure this is what you mean? Because this is how it's being perceived like those are the kind of people that you want mm-hmm. to bring around you so that you can you can keep yourself from going down a crazy leadership power grab dopamine hit dopamine hit and the other thing is you know again Justin said it much better than probably I will is that we need to build a team is that so that if I were to be lifted out of here tomorrow mm-hmm. there would be people here who like the can, rapture lifted like, out of here? Kind of like the rapture. Because that's you know, a whole I don't, thing. If you all, leave and we don't, then there's another That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Left behind. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron or <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Can we say his name? On <laughs> can we? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We owe hey, him royalty a co- We probably owe him a quarter. Yeah, a couple yeah. of pennies or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just that I have people who are there who are helping me mm-hmm. build our ministry and head in the direction we yeah. want to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think... Justin, you, you touched on the biggest one for me is just, you know, being, being people who, uh, are that we're, we are submitting to others. And, um, you know, the thing about ministry and, and other things, but we're talking ministry here. The thing about ministry is that, um, for, for especially me and Justin and, and Kristen, Josh, yours is a little bit different just because a lot of your stuff happens behind the scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. But I would say for the three of us, like we have a a position in which we are speaking to people, and we're expected to speak uh, words of instruction and words of edification, and you know build people up and to lift up the name of Jesus. And so with that comes authority, and um, and so there's 
I think if knowing that that's the position, then sometimes it draws that kind of personality in. And if that personality is left unchecked for some people, it can just get so inflated and, um, you know, ego and just the license to do what you want and say what you want and think what you want and, and you know, everyone else, you know, be damned. It's just like, it, I'm going to do what I do and, and that's it. And so I think it's just really important to have that accountability. And so one of the, I don't know, caution, you know, like talking about cautionary tales or cult of personality things is like for people to know, um, you know, really specifically like, you know, here at our church, you know, we have a ministry board. Um, so we answer to a ministry board. Um, then from without, from outside of the church, as the appointed pastor, I have a boss, you know, I have a district superintendent, I have an elder who oversees me. And then from there, I have a bishop who oversees me. And so there's a system of accountability that's in place that, you know, I would wonder if some people in our church are like, what, what's our, what's our leadership structure? What is our, you know, something very interesting I found was that, um, a lot of Mars Hill people, after it just imploded in 2014, mm-hmm. um, would go to other churches and before they would ask anything about the kids ministry, the student ministry, anything, they'd be like, where, where are your bylaws? I want to see your bylaws. Let, let me, let me know what's, how are you structuring your leadership in your church? That's what people were doing because mm-hmm. they were so injured by, by the church and how it was done and, and, and that kind of thing. And so I, I think that's important for people to know, like, you know, we have, we have a structure here. Um, and, and I think too, um, I, I think lifting up, um, the importance, this is a, a learning thing for me. One thing I see is important is for, um, for us to affirm and lift up the, um, the, the egalitarian viewpoint of men and women in serving in ministry and everyone being gifted to serve, um, like you mentioned earlier, Kristen, of um, the the role of, of women is just as important as men in the life of the church and ministry in the church and to make sure that that, that message is continued and not, um, you know, messed up and turned around and, and, you know, it could be confusing and harmful, I think, to, to young people, to, to new believers, um, you know, wondering like, well, you know, this Driscoll guy said that, that you know, this is who women are and not. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of a, some things I'm, I'm, I'm learning about that. So I think it was, I don't know if we could all be in agreement that it was best that, no, I think I know we would all be in agreement that Driscoll resigned in 2014. He was actually put on leave mm-hmm. and they like presented this whole like, hey, go away for, I can't remember the timeline um, to kind of, you know, seek counseling. I mean, that was what was recommended and to, to work on some stuff. And he, um, just chose to resign instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the actual official charges, the only charges he actually had was, uh, attitude of arrogance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that's what they, they brought him up on and, and they wanted to restore him Yep. Yeah. to like, so that was, you know, it wasn't like they were like, they didn't want to shun him and kick him out and run over him with a bus. Um, they wanted to help restore him as a person, Right. As a Christian, but then also as a leader in some leadership form. But um, he ended up resigning, and inevitably, at that point, they had a lot of multi-site, multi-campuses, mm-hmm. and um, they ended up just closing down Mars Hill then, Church. The entire yeah. network imploded within two months. Within two months, and so Justin talking about if the person steps out, is there anything there to reproduce that? Like there was, there wasn't a system in place, and of course that was a flawed system, so you don't really right. want to continue it. But thankfully, several several campuses. Um, continued. They started as their own church, um, or a couple merged and started as churches. Um, and one might breathe a sigh of relief um, with that. But the collapse of Mars Hill, um, it did release a tidal wave of hurt and dis- disillusioned people. Um, a lot of people quit Mars Hill. Some people quit Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, hundreds of people limped into other churches and they were like, hey, what? What? How? how are you structured? How do you do church? Because we want to be here. What are you paying your pastor? Because we didn't know what the other one was making, like all this stuff. Um, of course, we didn't even go into the whole thing about how Driscoll used church funds to buy up, I think it was ten or 20,000 copies of his book, Real Marriage, to get it mm-hmm. on. The they bestseller had to, list. They had yeah. to buy them from New York bookstores yes. to get it on the New York Times bestseller list. And they used church funds to do that. And mm-hmm. it was funds used for missions work. Mm-hmm. Um 
But, um, you know, the problem with abusive narcissistic personalities is, like you've said, Kristen, they don't see that they've made mistakes. So they kind of just have a, they have a tendency to just continue their behavior elsewhere. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to see in our next episode. Uh, part two, I've asked Justin and Kristen to be back with us for episode 49 of the cult of personality. Um, cause we're going to talk to as this is how I've dubbed the next episode, the rise and the wall of Mark Driscoll, because he has gone and built a wall in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Trinity church uh, where he is currently. So um, he was supposed to resign. I mean, he did resign from Mars Hill. And um, in 2014, he did that. He founded this church in 2016. And he was supposed to be on a break. We were on a break. And yet he is found just like all over the place speaking. So um, listen, thank you, Justin and Kristen, for being here. Josh, as always, uh, more coming in the next episode. Much more like, could this get any crazier more? I'm telling you. Um, Driscoll's kind of playing the same old game. So, Josh? All right. So, if you like this podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. Tell us what you're liking. Um, that way we can create more content just like it. Um, I'm going to go on and write, I love the velvety sounds of Justin Crenshaw's voice. He just smiled and gave me an eyebrow. <laughs> so, um, uh, this is a little different than we normally do. So, uh, it's, this is fun, so uh, we'll be here next week for part two of The Cult of Personality. See you, bye. Bye. You've been listening to The 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.